sorry that you are not a superhero fan. That's the only thing I'm sorry for. Not sorry that we're using this today, but uh, sorry that you don't enjoy it as much as the rest of us do. Superman, I mean, he's the, he's the guy, right? 80 years ago this year, 1933, two, and I felt I to say this at the very beginning in the first service, but two uh, Jewish high school students created Superman. They had a couple of false starts uh, getting him started. They just wanted to kind of create a comic book. They had created some others, and they wanted to create a comic book, and they created Superman. And, uh, and he's grown over the years. Those, those two guys, they had no idea he would become the icon that he is. And uh, somebody picked up on uh, the message today and actually wore their Superman T-shirt uh, last uh, this morning, early service. We're doing this again next week, so I encourage you to go ahead and wear yours. Uh, I, I tell you, next week for Father's Day, Man of Steel is the title of the sermon. So uh, you can go buy you a, a new one for the Man of Steel and wear it next Sunday with me if you want to. Um, but they created this, had no idea how big it would become, you know, 80 years later. But it has become big. He is arguably, Superman is arguably the, uh, the most powerful of all superheroes. Now, some, I've heard a couple people say, I've actually had two others said they were more powerful, but I, I don't know. And, and so, arguably, he's also the first real superhero. Now, there were some others about, about that time, the Shadow, Green Lantern, and some other obscure ones that they didn't really do it. You know, I mean, they're not, I mean, this guy is the super, superhero. And where, yeah, maybe some others have this, uh, you know, this particular power or that particular power. It's like he's got them all. You know, it's like you've got to take 10 other superheroes to add them together to be Superman, you know, because he's got superhuman strength. He's got superhuman speed. Uh, he's got superhuman hearing. He's got superhuman uh, vision. You know, he can even, uh, has x-ray vision, can look through walls. He's got that heat vision. We can melt things. Uh, he's got superhuman intelligence. He's got uh, superhuman memory. He's got invincibility and vulnerability. You know, they couldn't take his blood because... A needle couldn't get through his skin. He's got a healing ability. Are you figuring out where I'm going with this? He's got a healing ability. Yeah, and he can fly. If, if there was one superhero characteristic I could have, it would be flight. When I was a kid, I used to dream of flying. I mean, I used to sleep and dream that I had the ability to fly. And I would be so disappointed when I woke up and realized that I had not been given that ability sometime in the middle of the night. I mean, I really dreamed about flying, flying around my neighborhood, you know, and just waving at everybody and everybody else, you know, kind of uh, envying me because I could fly. Now, you know, I, I'd, I'd love to fly. I, I'd say about flying in a plane, I'd rather, I'd rather fly a plane across the street than walk across the street because I, I, I love flying. So, I mean, that would be the one. Well, you know, he had just about every one of these. They're very few few things that other superheroes could do that he couldn't do. He's got all these. You've got to add a bunch of them together to, to get this. So, so arguably the most uh, uh, powerful and arguably the very first, but he wasn't the first superhero, and he wasn't the most powerful. Most of you in this room already know him. You already know him personally, the first superhero, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, I love you and thank you, God, for Lord, all these things that you give to us, Lord, as examples, Lord, and you just remind us and allow us, God, to see these things. And I just pray, God, that somebody sees in this message today, uh, Lord, I'm not deep. I'm not going to be deep, but somebody see something deep in this message today, God. Something that will encourage them. There's somebody here that has had a bad day. They've had a rough week. They've had a rough life, God, and they need, they need to know that there is peace, that there is, there is victory, there is hope. And I just pray, God, that you, you, you enable that, let that happen today in this place right now, I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, 
Amen. And, and, and listen, if you're not a superhero fan, sorry, but just deal with it for, for, for a, a couple of Sundays, if you will. And, and you know, and, and I know some say, well, you know, using his illustration, listen, this is what Jesus did. You remember he was sitting on the side of the hill. People had come to hear him speak, and he sat down on the hill, and he looked over, and he saw a farmer, and he said, Lord of God's like a farmer going out to sow seed. I mean, there he had his illustration right there. They didn't have video projector screens. You know, he just had said, there it is. You know, they could all look up, but they knew what it was like anyway. You know, so they, or sitting in a boat or, or actually walking down the seashore and seeing a couple of guys fishing and say, come on, I'll make you fishers of men. I mean, if he had said, come on, I'll make you a missionary, they'd have said, a what? But he said, I'll make you fishers of men. They said, now that intrigues me. I kind of understand fishing. They're going to teach me how to do it with men. And so he used that, uh, that way. And so that's what we're doing here. And, and, and these, two, these two Hebrew teenagers, Jewish teenagers, they don't even realize, I, I don't think they realize, I think there's no way they can realize what a parallel they drew when they, when they created Superman, what a parallel they drew to the life of Jesus Christ. So many things. Okay, first thing you need if you're going to be a superhero is you need an awesome name, right? You need an awesome name, like Captain Marvel, right? That's a, I, I like that. I always thought that was a good one. Better than I like Captain America better, but I like Captain Marvel's name better. You know, Captain Mar- or or Wolverine. I've always loved Wolverine. I mean, when you hear Wolverine and you know it's a superhero, you know this guy is fierce, ferocious. You know, it's just an awesome name. Or, or there's a bad guy in the X Men called Magneto. You know, Magneto. Man, that's a good one. Because they could have named him Magnet Man. That would have been lame. But they gave him Magneto. You know, and that's awesome, man. That's a really cool name. These two Jewish guys. When they named their character, not the Superman part, but when they named him back on that other planet that he comes from, they gave him the name Kal-El. And his dad's name was Jor-El, and it was like Dash E-L. So El was like, almost like a surname. It's like a family name, El. And you know what that means? Okay, I know some of you, well, yeah, I took Spanish in school. That means the. No, that's, that's okay. They're not Spanish. These guys were Jewish, all right? So what does it mean in Hebrew? You know what E-L means in Hebrew? It's one of God's names. You know, Emmanuel, you know what that means? Present God. It means, like, it means the God who is with us. Emmanuel. That's why when we sing around Christmas, we sing Emmanuel. He's the God who came to be with us. El means God. These two Hebrew boys, they were, they were playing off that. And I don't know how much of this they really meant to be that, but somewhere in the mix of all this, there have been some Christians writing this Superman stuff because all this stuff that keeps coming out. And in this, man, I was sitting here watching this clip and just thinking over and over again, this morning in the early service and in this service, I'm just thinking again and again, just how much stuff is there that just points to Jesus. You know, you know, we've got the Lord of the Rings trilogy and how, how that really points to Jesus, all of C.S. Lewis's writings and a lot of these. But man, I had not really thought about it until recently, how much stuff here points to Jesus. And so let's look at some of it. You know, because here, the name, an awesome name. Does anybody have a more awesome name than Jesus? No. Prove it to you through Scripture. But Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 says that he has these names. He, he should be called uh, Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He's got all these names and more and more. And you know why he's got all these names? Because we, we fail to realize sometimes. We, we get together maybe and we start discussing God. Or maybe, you know, you post, I, I watch, man, I read a lot of people's Facebook posts or, or, or even their blogs and things and articles that people write. And I, and I realize, you know, when people are writing and they're, they're typing this stuff out and they're explaining God, I'm saying, you know, sometimes we forget you cannot explain God with English, the English language. It's impossible for us to explain God. And so when we give him a name, that's why he's got so many names, because one name does not describe who he is. He is wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. He's the Lord of lords. 
He's the king of kings. He's the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. He is the lion, the tribe of Judah. He is all that. He's the savior. He's the healer. He's the deliverer. And, and you know, if all that wasn't enough, then God gives him one more name. When Jesus was actually born on the earth, he tells Joseph, name him Jesus. And, and look what he says. Look what, look what Scripture says about that name Jesus. It's Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse 9. Therefore God exalted him, talking about Jesus, to the highest place and gave him, gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And if, if all those other names weren't enough, then God gives him the most awesome name, Jesus. Better than Magneto and better than Captain Marvel and Kalel and all those. I mean, he gives him the name Jesus, the most amazing name, that it is the highest name. Think about when you see the name Jesus, what do you, you think of him automatically, immediately. I remember even when I was a kid, I'd see Jesus Alou, the uh, old baseball player, come up to bat and they'd put Jesus Alou, Jesus Alou, you know. I, I think of Jesus, you know, and I'd immediately think, I'd immediately think of that, Jesus. And it's that name, and, and why is that name above every name? There is no one. There's no one higher in your, in your image, no one higher in your thought, no one higher in your heart than your hero, correct? The person, the person who comes and is a hero to you that does something, the person that you idolize. And what has he done? What does the name Jesus mean? It's, it's Jesus. Hey, so it's Yeshua, Joshua. He is our deliverer. He is our savior. He is our, I mean, the, the name even really means He's our hero. He's the one that saved us. He's the one that delivered us. And so that's why his name is above every name because it is, it is as if God gave him the name hero. He is our hero, and that name is above every name. And because of that, every knee, anything out there in the world, under the world, up in the sky, in the heavens, anywhere that has a knee, whenever the name, whenever the name is, that knee has to bow. you got to bow. If you've got a, if you've got a knee, you're going to have to bow. Now listen, i got to tell you, when I was a kid, and, and uh, Superman, the old Superman series, the old black and white, if you've seen the reruns. Now, that one predates me. I watched it, but it was, it was reruns. But I, I was, when I was real small, I remembered Batman, the, uh, the old campy real Batman, you know, the comic book one that was uh, the, the, some of those first color TV shows. I remember, I remember it. it was one of my very first uh, TV uh, memories that I have is watching Batman. Now, that was the one where, you know, Batman hit one of the villains, you know, and then they'd have this big burst on the screen that said, kapow, you know, or bam, or whatever, you know, real comic booky type stuff, you know. But when one of, one of Batman's uh, enemies, uh, like the Penguin, you know, I mean, you know, uh, these guys always look like they were real bad, but if one of their, if one of their buddies, one of their cohorts said, there's Batman. You could just see, they would, oh, where, where? You know, they would cower all of a sudden. And really, again, comic book lock. I mean, oh, 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 you know, like this. But you know what? That's exactly what happens when the name Jesus is mentioned. Right there, James chapter 2, verse 19. You believe that there's one God, you do well. The demons also believe, and they tremble. That's why you need to learn to speak this name. As, as we were seeing that just a little while ago, at his name, man, at his name, the demon's like, where, where? You said Jesus, where, where? Is he coming? Yeah, he's about to show up because whenever you call his name, whenever you lift him up, whenever you exalt him, he comes into our presence at that moment. And when he does that, that makes, the demons have to flee from him. They have to leave. They can't stay there. They can't, they can't uh, stand in that place that, that, that the name of Jesus drives them away from us. The name of Jesus makes them run from us. So you need to learn this name. Oh, I know you already know the name, right? I've told it to you, but, but you need to learn to say the name. Well, pastor, I know how to pronounce Jesus. I've been saying that one a long time. 
That's not what I'm talking about. You need to learn to say the name. You need to learn to whisper the name. When you're in a storm and you need some peace, you need to learn to whisper, Jesus. Oh, come on, somebody. Does anybody know what I'm talking about here? You need to learn to whisper his name, Jesus, and have him show up. But you also need to learn to shout his name. Anybody ever feel like, anybody, you ever get, you just want to go outside and scream? Okay, me and John, first service and second service. <laughs> me and John are the only ones who wanted, I, somehow I want to go in the backyard and I just want to, you know, kind of like the Incredible Hulk. Oh, no, okay, another, another superhero right there. Or driving down the road, you know, and you just had some horrible experience, you know, the boss just got all over you and you can't do a thing about it. You're accused of something that you didn't do and you can't do a thing about it. Nobody believes you and you get, you get in a truck, you're driving home and you just look up, ah! Yeah, you know what you need to do? You need to learn to say his name when you get in a battle like that and you need a win. Learn to not just scream, but scream his name. Don't just scream something empty. Scream a name. Scream something that's going to matter. Scream his name, Jesus, and call him on the scene because he brings victory. Because everything that you're facing, every enemy that you face has to fall down on their knees before his name You need to learn to say his name every day because even Jesus Christ himself said, whenever you ask my father, whenever you go to my father for something, mention my name. He said, pray in my name. You don't have access to the Father because of who you are. You have access to the Father because of who Jesus is. Amen? And you need to learn to say this name. You need to learn to trust in this name. You need to learn. If you had not done that yet, guys, young guys, even older guys, you need to learn to trust in this name that is above every name, stronger than any name. You need to learn to trust in it, okay? And also, superheroes identify with us, okay? Uh, if you're a superhero fan, you know that most films, you can even if you don't know the villains and who the superheroes are, most films, you can find out real quick, you know, maybe there's two characters, they both have superpowers, you can find out real quick which one is going to be the hero and which one's going to be the villain. Because the villain is in it all for himself. You know, he, he's just about me, he's about power, he's about something coming to him, he's about, about how I can rule or how I can get all my stuff. But the superhero is the unassuming one. The one who is not about himself, but is about everybody else. The one who identifies with those who are hurting the one who identifies with those who have needs. The one not who sits and says, okay, I want to rule up here, you know, and wants to just, you know, just zap everybody, but the one who just wants to live among the others. The Scripture says, we're going to read it uh, toward the end of this message. The Scripture says that Jesus Christ didn't come to be served, but he came to serve. Who? This one that has the name that is above every name. This one who is, who is God come in the flesh, And he came in the flesh not to be served, not to sit down and let you come serve. He came to serve you. He came to identify with you. He came to, he came, he he wants to be with just 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 like Clark, the little boy, you know, was saying very early at Clark as a as a little boy before he was grown up in Superman, saying, you know, this is this is too much. I I just don't he said, I just want to act like I'm your your son. He just wanted to, he just wanted to be one of us. The villains don't ever want to be one of us, but the superheroes do in so much that they put it all aside and they come. Jesus came from a long way. I mean, oh my goodness, did you see that? I mean, Clark's 
earthly dad said, but you have another father who sent you here on a mission with purpose. Wow, I mean, I, I, see, I don't know if these dude, Jewish boys realizing what they were doing, but man, they were, they were writing a story. They were, they were setting up a character that is, that is just, a, just so much, just a, a, a character of showing us who Jesus Christ was, that he, was, he, he does have a heavenly father that sent him. I, you know, I can hear Joseph telling Jesus one day when he's really small, so you remember you've got an, a, a heavenly father, you're the, you're the son of God. And he sent you here. You have a purpose. You have a mission. And Jesus Christ, look, look what he did. Our, our, our scripture said the word became, I love how John in the, 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 the message version says this, John 1, 14, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. I like that. You know, he didn't visit. He moved into the neighborhood. He didn't come by. He moved in from the, he didn't stay on the throne and say, hey, I'm going to send some angels down there and fix this for y'all. He moved into the neighborhood. And you know, where, whereas Superman, you know, he, he wanted to be one of us. He wanted to identify with us. But you know, there's some things he could never identify with. He could never, anybody ever stubbed their toe? You know, he could never identify with what that pain feels like. You ever missed the nail with a hammer and hit the other nail? Superman could never identify with what that pain felt like. But Jesus Christ chose to identify with that pain. It says Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, we do not have a high priest like Superman who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have a high priest who was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. And that, that chapter says so many more things about how he came to experience all these things. He knows exactly what it feels like. You know, I know some people say, oh, I don't believe he had any pain or any problem or he struggled with stuff like that. Now, let me tell you something. He got hungry. How do I know? Because he ate. He got sleepy. How do I know? Because he went to sleep. You know, he was experiencing the same. He got tired. He dealt with that. And, and let me remind you that when he died on the cross of Calvary, he hung there. You remember he told John something? He said, John, you, this is your mother now. You need to take care of your mother, my mother, Mary. Where's his dad? What's he telling John? He's telling John, I'm not here to take care of her, John. You're going to have to help me take care of her. I'm leaving. Where's his dad? Now, his dad was probably... In his 20s, when, when Jesus was born, now 30, 32, maybe 33 years later, Joseph would have been in his 50s. Chances are Joseph died before he got that old. They didn't live that long in those days. And he's not there, so he probably did die. What, you know what I'm telling you? I'm telling you that Jesus even knows what it feels like to lose a loved one. He knows what it feels like to, to wake up in the morning and, say, and want to run in there and, and hug that person that, and remember again, oh, wait a minute. They died last week, or they died last year. He knows what it feels like to go year after year and every day see that date on the calendar that some of you are seeing and remembering of that loved one that I just wish I could see him. And here it's been another year and, and, and since we lost them. He knows what that feels like. You see, he's not a, a God. He came from a long way, but he's not a God who stayed away. He's a God who moved into the neighborhood because he wanted to know what it felt like to be you so that when you had a problem, he could say, I understand. I felt it too. I know what the pain is like. I was there. I believe he came to identify with us. And so John chapter 14, verse 12, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. When he left this earth, he went and sat back down by his heavenly Father. And he did that. You remember, you remember in the clip a few moments ago when, when uh, his dad was telling him, he says, Clark, you're going to give the people of earth a new ideal. Okay, I can hear, I hear the Heavenly Father speaking to the Son saying that. You're going to give them a new ideal. 
and they're going to follow you. They're going to run. Some of them are going to fall, but they're going to get back up. And in the end, when it's all over, they're going to be with you for eternity. And you're going to help them do wondrous things. And what does Jesus say in John 14, 12? You're going to do greater things than I did because I'm going to go back and sit by my Father. And I put that first, one of those first points back together with this and understand that He's now sitting by the Father. So that every time you need something, call, call the name of Jesus because He's sitting right there next to the Father. And when you're praying to the Father and you're using the name of Jesus, He can say, Jesus, what about it? Jesus said, yep, that's one of mine. I know them. I gave, my, I gave my life for them. My blood was poured out for them. So use the name of Jesus because of that. And then also, every superhero, not just every superhero, every person, we come to a defining moment in our lives. A moment where nobodies have to make the choice to accept their destiny or stay a nobody. And Jesus confronted his destiny. Clark Kent had to confront his destiny. I just want to be a regular guy. But as his dad tells him, that's not what you were sent here for. I just want to be a regular guy. I know that's where some of you are. Every one of us has to face that. We all have to deal with it. At some point, we have to confront our destiny. And when we confront our destiny, we have to choose, are we just going to be just an average person? Just do, we, you know, we just don't want to get involved. We just don't want to do it. Or are we going to accept the fact that God has given us a divine destiny to fulfill, to be a hero in the lives of people around us? Are you, are you, going, to, are you going to just stay a nobody, or are you going to be the somebody that God has always dreamed you would be? And, and don't forget that Jesus Christ was not the only son that he sent to this earth, but every one of you were fashioned by his fingers in your mother's womb. And you were sent to this earth with a divine destiny and a purpose to live for Him and to do something amazing for somebody else. And you, you confront that divine. And you've got to decide, are you going to stay a nobody or are you going to be the hero God called you to be? Every one of us has to face that. And Jesus faced it too in the Garden of Gethsemane. I think we've got Scripture there for you. Let me just tell you the story, remind you of it if you know it. But the night before His death, Jesus knew all these things. He knew what He was about to face. For the next 24 hours, they were going to beat Him. They want to take the cat of nine tails and beat his back until it was torn. The flesh was torn from his bones. The blood would flow. He knew, he was going to, he knew that they were going to pluck out his beard. They were going to smite him across the face. He knew they were going to press a crown of thorns into his head so that it would stick his head and blood would flow down his face and that they would carry him up the cross, uh, up to Calvary and nail him on a cross with the nails between, through his uh, hands and feet. He knew all this was about to happen. And so he's there praying the night before all this is happening. He knows this is going to happen. And his humanity, who he is, his humanity. I don't understand this, but he's 100% God and 100% man all at the same time. I don't understand that. doesn't add up in my math mind. You know, I got a little bit of a math mind. And 100% plus, you can't do that. All you people say, I give 100%, all, 110% all the time. Can't do that. You're going to give 100%. You know, you only got... But he was 100% God, 100% man at the same time. And, the, and here he was, and, and he was confronting his destiny. And you know what he chose? He thought about all of this that he was going to go through in the next 24 hours. And he, so he started praying. He said, Father, if there's any other way for this to happen. And you know what he chose? He said, nevertheless, not my will but yours be done. He chose you. He could have chosen, I'm done with this humanity. I'm going back to heaven where 
I'm just God. And I don't have to deal with all this junk. Let them live, let them die, let them figure it out the best they can. I am tired of this. He could have chosen that. He could have chosen to leave it behind. He had that opportunity there in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he died, the night before he went through all this. But what did he do? He chose you. He chose, he chose to die for you. He chose to love you. He chose to give himself for you. He chose to experience. All of the pain that he had been through is nothing compared to the pain that he would go through. For the 32 years or whatever was nothing compared to the last 24 hours of his life, and yet he chose it. And the cool thing about it was is that God sent him here to do it. But in Gethsemane that night, he had a choice to make. I can let this thing go or I can fulfill my destiny for those people. And he chose you. Come on, get, can you get that please this morning? He chose me. He could have done anything else, but he chose me. You know, sometimes, sometimes it seems like we can get a little bit, a little bit too selfish about things in life. And we can actually think that life is all about us. You know, it's easy, isn't it? Life just surrounds us and circles around us. I mean, it's just, just about me. And you know what part of that reason is? Part of the reason of that is, is that God didn't make it all about you. He made it all about you. And so you know what? It's easy sometimes. It's easy sometimes to just think, man, it is about me. But then we got to remember that he also made it all about that guy sitting next to you, that lady sitting behind you. He makes it all about us. It's all about me. That's what he did. And here in Philippians chapter 2, read with me. Make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God. Now that's who he was. He was God. Have the same attitude that Jesus did. He was in the form of God, but he did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. He could have easily in the Garden of Gethsemane that night saying, Oh, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to take my, 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 my divinity back on and I'm going. But he would not take his divinity as his own advantage. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave. This form. This human flesh form. Taking on the likeness of men. And when he had come as a man in his external form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on the cross. He chose you. Yeah, he was sent by his father, but he had the opportunity to say no, and he chose you. He chose you. You got it? So what do you do with it? He chose you. What do you, what do, you do with it? Call him. Just call him. You need him. You need him in some area of your life. Call him. Back to Superman, you know, Jimmy Olsen had that watch. He could call him. Unless you know some old episodes, you might not know about Jimmy Olsen and his watch. He had a watch he could call Superman. Or, or the commissioner in Batman, he had that bat signal light, you know, shine that light up, or, you know, the image of a bat up on the cloud so that Batman would know, we need you, Batman. And they would call him that way. And even as a little kid, okay, as a little guy, I used to think, now wait a minute, what if Batman's not looking at the sky right now? What if, what if Batman's inside having dinner? Or what if he's asleep? Or what if, you know, he's looking this way and, and, and they're shining it that way? Or what if he's driving in a car and he can't see out? A, or what if it's not a cloudy night and they shine the light and it just keeps going, you know, and it doesn't hit anything? Even as a little kid, I'm thinking, now, wait a minute, you know, they need a better way to call Batman, you know, because he might not be looking for a while. Cool thing about Jesus is he's always watching. 
He's always listening. He's always waiting for somebody to just whisper or shout his name or call his name. Say, I got to have some help. Call him. Call him because superheroes always answer the call. Jesus answered the call when God sent him. When his father sent him here, he answered the call. Look, here, here it is in two, two verses right here. We see the sin and we send the acceptance of it again. First uh, John chapter 4, verse 10, this is love. Not that we love God. The fact that we love God, that's not real love. That, yeah, we love Him, but that's not real love. I mean, it's easy to love God because God gave us everything we are. I mean, He created us. Everything we have, is, so it's easy to love God. That's not what real love is. Here, here, here's real love. But that God loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That's love. That's what the Father did. But look what the Son did in Matthew 20, 28. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And he chose. That night in Gethsemane, he had the opportunity and he chose. And he did it. Jesus Christ did not just answer. Jesus is the answer. He's your answer. What do you need? He's the answer. What's your question? He's the answer. What's your problem? He's the answer. Hey, and listen, you might have heard somebody that's been a Christian for a little while longer just talk about maybe having peace in the middle of storms or whatever. No matter what comes, it just seems like I just got a piece of me. And you say, I don't understand that. Let me tell you, you younger ones, those of you who are young in the faith, you need to get this. You need to understand. When you begin to realize, when you grasp that Jesus is the answer, He is the answer, then you can sleep tonight because you know when you wake up tomorrow, it doesn't matter what the question is. Jesus is still going to be the answer. It doesn't matter what the problem is. He's still going to be the answer. It doesn't matter if there is a new situation you got to deal with. He's still going to be the answer. No matter what it is, you can rest. You can have peace. You can have victory all the time because no matter what it is, Jesus is still the answer. He's your answer today for whatever it is you need. He's your answer. You weighted down by the sin of the world? Jesus understands. He who had no sin became sin. He took our sin on us and went to the cross. And under that burden of sin, He died for us. You know, we, we pastors, a lot of times, we, we, we want to talk about sin, and we say, man, it's going to be hard to, get, to talk to somebody and encourage them to give up their sin because they, you know, everybody think, they talk about how, well, I just enjoy doing this or I enjoy doing that. But there is a weight to sin. There is a burden of sin. And sin comes with consequences. And, and if you're living in sin, you are living with the consequences of your sin. And you know, I say, well, Jesus didn't know anything about sin. Yeah, He did. The one thing He could not do, which was sin, He took your sin on Himself so He could feel the weight of sin. He never experienced the fleeting joy of sin, but He experienced the weight of sin. So He would understand when you come to Him and say, Jesus, I can't handle this anymore. I've been doing things my way. I've been walking in disobedience. I've been walking in rebellion. I'm ready to be delivered from this burden. And he says, I understand. It's heavy, ain't it? He understands it all. He's your answer. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you don't know Him like maybe a lot of people in this room do, He's your answer today. And all you got to do is just call Him. Say, hey, Jesus, I need help with this. Just call Him. Whatever your other need is, you got a, a financial need, you got a, a decision you need to make about a job, you need a job, or you have problems in your marriage, problems with your kids, problems with your parents, problems at school, problems, whatever your problems are, Jesus 
is your answer. Always has been. He's just been waiting on you to call. Stand with me, if you will. One last little thing. Did you catch that toward the end of the end of those clips, getting close to the end of those clips where Lois Lane asks him, sitting there in that interrogation room, she says, uh, so Superman, what's the S on you know on your uniform mean, your costume mean? And he says it's not an S. He says, Where I come from, it's a symbol of hope. A symbol of hope. I could preach all day on Superman and Jesus. There is so much that is here. I mean, I've actually heard people ask this question. Drive by the church and say, why y'all got a T on the front of y'all's church? Think about it. Small case T, okay? Why y'all got a T on top of, your, on top of your, your steeple up there on your church? You know, if the church is have a steeple. It's not a T. Where we've come from, it's the sign of hope. It's the cross of Calvary. Where my sin was forgiven, and even the healing that was bought by the stripes on Jesus' back, they did that, and then the next day they put him on that cross, and that blood that is still flowing out of his back is on that cross too. So it even symbolizes my healing. It's my hope. Because no matter what I'm going through today, I've got hope because of him. Because he's still my Savior. Because of that cross. And every time, every time you see that S, people knew. Oh, Superman showed up. We have hope now. And every time you see the cross... Every time you remember what the cross is about, you have hope. And so today we celebrate. Come on, Christians, we celebrate. We're supposed to be celebrating. We've got hope. A one greater than Superman showed up today, and if you'll call him tomorrow, he'll show up again tomorrow. If you call him on Tuesday, he'll be there again on Tuesday. Come on, I, get, you know, I just kind of get tired sometimes of Christians always being just down in the mouth about everything. I, honestly, let me tell you, I am a great counselor for about two appointments. And then on the third one, it's kind of like, okay, come on now, let's get a life. I mean, you know, I've already told you what you need to be doing. You know, come on, quit, quit, quit talking about what the devil's doing. It's, start, it's time to start talking about what God can do through you. That's why God didn't really call me to be a counselor, okay? Okay, but, you know, I do get tired of us Christians sometimes always looking at the bad and always looking at, you know, or, or like we used to have these things we call testimony services in churches and people get up and testify for the devil, you know, and they'd say, oh, the devil's been real bad. He's been doing this and doing this. And then, you know, we're not doing that here. You know, I don't, I don't need anybody to hear about what the devil's doing because it don't matter what the devil's doing because the moment Jesus shows up, the devil has to start cowering. Oh, where is he coming from? We need to celebrate him today. Celebrate. Jamie's going to lead us in a final song. In this song, I want you to celebrate who he is, what he's done. Celebrate the blood that was shed on Calvary for your sin, for your healing, for all of your problems. Celebrate the hope that is in that cross, that symbol that thank God for the cross. So close your eyes with me for a moment. Focus right now. God, I need you.